Hi, this is Jeff Stone of Grandpa's Fried Barbecue from the Panhandle of Florida, and you are listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me! Fine, how you doing? You have a great show, I'm a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet before we nursed. Delicious, Liberty. It's a I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. All right, welcome to the second hour at breakneck speed, because I forgot as we were leading into Meathead segments, to turn on the audio stream. Hit me! Uh, save the emails and comments. Greg, what's this hanging off of it? Boing. When your left ear fails you, and your ear doctor has to go in and create a sizably bigger hole in your ear uh this thing you can't wear that in your ear anymore because it doesn't fit so anyway i got over to the audio only feed computer that sits uh, like 10 feet away from me and fired that one up so away we go you can head on over to the main website the bbqcentralshow.com and click on audio only and uh, you should be able to get the audio-only feed at this point. Nothing was fixed with YouTube, so don't worry about that. And honestly, I don't even care about YouTube. I mean, the fact that it's not working, fine. I don't care about YouTube. I've never cared about YouTube. I've levied my axes to grind with YouTube. I'm not going to bore you with it again. If you've missed the first hour, you've... Missed Meathead from AmazingRibs.com, and we talked about a number of topics, so that will be released in podcast form, that being our number one. Tomorrow, it'll be ready for you in the morning. Still to come on this show, Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly, the Texas Monthly Barbecue Editor, TMBBQ.com, his website. And if you are ready to rock and roll with Daniel Vaughn and Ready to take in his quarterly segment. Make sure you stay tuned. Don't forget you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat slash BBQ Central Show on Facebook and Twitch slash RD Rempy on YouTube. But as we had mentioned before, that's not working. But you can get the replay there tomorrow when I uploaded, when I pull down the video from Facebook and kick it on over to YouTube. The logistics. I won't even bore you with Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less this coming Friday, episode 167. We take you back to March 10th, 2015. Clint Cantwell, who is now with AmazingRibs.com, as Meathead 
had mentioned him once or twice there in the segments. But then he was with Smoke in the Eye Barbecue, talked about the seedy underbelly of blogging and ripping people's work off and passing it off on their own. And you're like, does this happen? What? I know. You thought it was just something that was going on these days, but six years ago, lazy people on the internet were ripping off people's pictures and blog posts and passing them off as their own, trying to work the system in any way that they could. We also talked about the flag incident of 2015 that took place at a then Sam's Club local event. I don't know if anybody remembers that or not, where tour director Michael McDiarmid caught some because he made a team take down the American flag that was in their campsite. There was some local rule against that. I forget exactly what the specifics were with that. Uh, Certainly no one's questioning uh, Michael's patriotism or love for the flag or anything like that. But there was some kind of rule that was enforced and he caught a little heat after that. And so we talked about that. Uh, We also talked about the launching of Clint's then new blog that was coming out called Grillocracy, which we had also happened to mention during the last hour. So uh, Clint eventually moved over to AmazingRibs.com full-time a few years ago. As Meathead mentioned, his right-hand man on recipe development and a number of other things. By the way, AmazingRibs.com still for sale if you want to buy it, everybody. Bring the Brinks truck. Call Doug Scheiding in Texas, longest-running embedded correspondent. He's putting that deal together if you're interested. Also, you might remember this between me and Clint. We ran the biggest hoodwink, sham, bamboozle, and or otherwise for April Fool's. The best April Fool's joke ever pulled in the history of ever as it relates to the barbecue and grilling community. Because at that point, Clint was also doing some PR work for Kingsford or he was contracting with them to some form or fashion. (laughs) And we made the announcement. I had him on as a guest and he revealed that Kingsford was releasing on April 1st hickory flavored propane. And you know what? You all fell for it. (laughs) Y'all fell for it. My brother called me up the next day. was like I was listening to the replay. Where can I get this hickory-flavored propane? Clint had a whole artistic work drawn up, showing a propane bottle, showing where the hickory-flavored smoke was in the propane bottle and how that was getting jettisoned out of the top. It was spectacular. Everybody fell for it. It was. I hate April Fool's, just like I hate people that dress up for Halloween that are over the age of 10. April Fool's jokes might even be worse than dressing up for Halloween. But we fooled everybody with that one. Hickory-flavored propane. John Solberg should be working on a best of pulling that one. That was a classic. Also, as I'm telling John what he should be doing for the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less, if there is something that you want to hear from a guest standpoint or a segment standpoint or something along these lines, you can just kick John an email, J-O-N, at thebbqcentralshow.com and let him know what you want to hear or the topic that you want to hear, and he will do his best to fulfill your request. 
Here's a little bit of breaking news. In case you didn't hear it. A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. Greg Rempe reporting from the breaking news desk here in Cleveland, Ohio. The city that breaks all of the news all of the time when it comes to the live fire industry. Operation Barbecue Relief has secured former nationally syndicated sports radio talk show host Mike Golick of Mike and Mike fame as their national spokesperson. How about that? This, according to Fox4KC.com, Operation Barbecue Relief announces that former NFL defensive lineman and ESPN college football analyst Mike Golick Sr., as their national spokesperson. Mike has been a huge part of Operation Barbecue Relief. We thought it was time to make it official. This is Stan Hayes, co-founder and CEO of Operation Barbecue Relief. He's really helped raise funds and awareness on a national level while supporting our efforts to educate others. How to share the healing power of barbecue. We're confident that his partnership will allow Operation Barbecue Relief to inspire even more communities in 2021 when asked about it. From Golick's side, he said every day they focus on how they can help someone else in need with the healing power of a warm barbecue meal. After learning about this organization and their passion for barbecue, this was a perfect fit for me, and I knew I wanted to be involved. It's a true honor to be a part of their team, and I look forward to supporting them in any way I can. Now, in true Barbecue Central Show fashion, how does this benefit me? Well, we reached out via Twitter because that's how we reach out these days. And it appears at some point sooner than later, Mike Golick will be on the show talking about his new gig as national spokesperson for Operation Barbecue Relief. Now, the show has been a longtime champion of Operation Barbecue Relief. We have asked for your donations year over year. We've had David Marks on the show any number of times. We've had Stan Hayes on the show a number of times. All the way back when this whole thing started through that uh, terrible tornado uh, time. Uh, where did that go through? Was it Mississippi? Or I remember having one of those guys on there, and that was really just the thing that sparked it all. And then from there it grew. I mean, look what it is now. It's award-winning, and it's always deploying into the places that need it the most to help serve barbecue meals to the, those folks that need the meals the most. So... As always, if you are looking for charitable contributions or looking to give charitable contributions, I should say, then you want to go over to Operation Barbecue Relief and kick them a few bucks or volunteer your time if they're looking for time to be volunteered, depending on where they're going to be at. But always a great place to go ahead and make your donations to. We love and appreciate Operation Barbecue Relief for all that they do. So congratulations on landing Mike Golick, formerly of Mike and Mike. Daniel Vaughn is ready to go. Before we get to him, I'll talk to you quickly about Primo Grills. Primogrill.com is the website, of course. What's unique about Primo? It's not round, it's oval. That's the number one. So oval allows you... This is a patented oval design, by the way. It offers you true two-zone cooking. You have more than 60 cooking configurations, really only limited by your mind. Quality products made right here in the States. Precision-controlled manufacturing. The highest quality ceramics being used in these grills. New product updates for 2021. How about this? Arriving in showrooms in mere weeks. A new lift hinge reduces force to lift the grill head by 70%. 
So now you don't have to work out like a maniac like me in order to lift this Primo grill head. The new hinge, whoop, very little effort. You asked, they made it. Now you can put it right there to fruition. Ease of lifting the grill head. Brought to you by Primo Grill. Upgrade kits are also available. You can upgrade your existing Primo with all of these new features that are going to be rolling out during the course of the year. You can visit your local dealer to see product improvements for yourself. PrimoGrill.com, the website, and then look up the dealer nearest you. PrimoGrill.com, Primo Ceramic Grill on Instagram, and Primo Ceramic Grills on Facebook. If you're looking for a ceramic cooker and you don't want the round options, and there's plenty of them out there, by the way, if you can't wrap your head around an oval shape and you need a round one, but you don't want what else is out there, Primo does have a round option as well. So they can satisfy your whole craving. Oval shape, round shape, small, medium, and large, Jack Daniel. Come on, primogrill.com. You know where to go. We're back with Daniel Vaughn right after this. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And this portion being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet, currently available in two sizes with a host of accessories. Whether you are a beginner or professional, definitely cook you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. My next guest is the barbecue editor for Texas Monthly Magazine, and you will also see him here in 2021 as a recurring quarterly guest. We race to the hotline, and welcome back, Daniel Vaughn. Hey, Dan. Hey, how's it going, Greg? I am absolutely fabulous. Appreciate you joining me for the first of your quarterly appearances. I'm no mathematician, but I think we have three left after this one. And you never know what could happen in between. I'm I sure mean, there's it, plenty of yeah. things going on, you know. So I mean, and if you re up me for next year, you know, then right. then we'll be into eight and keep it rolling. We'll just keep it rolling. All right, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Daniel Vaughn joining me here on the show. TMBBQ.com, his website. You can also follow him on the Twitter at BBQ Snob and see what he's writing about day to day. A lot of great restaurant reviews, quick hits, and all the fun stuff. Daniel, uh, before we get into one of the hot topics that I actually broached with Meathead just to get his cursory reaction, we'll get more in-depth with you, uh, that being the Nick Wright fraudulent Texas barbecue remark that you then rebutted on the National Dan Patrick Show. Uh, Texas has been really reeling from what many of us would consider to be a smattering of snow and kind of not that cold temperature, but... When you're in a state that probably isn't used to such nonsense, how is the state recovering at this point a few weeks back? Yeah, uh, you know, we had uh, Winter Storm Uri. Down here, we even named those winter storms. Like a hurricane. Uh, which, which is a surprise, yeah. Uh, I mean, as an Ohio native, I'm certainly uh, uh, not averse to a little bit of snow. I uh, don't really mind driving in it either. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, living down here, like, it's just not set up for it. Like, nothing is set up for 
the infrastructure, the roadways, the uh, we don't have salt on the roads. Uh, people don't know how to drive on the roads. Also, like our electrical grid went down because all the uh, natural gas pipelines that go to our power plants froze over as well. Uh, whereas in Ohio, they would have had backup power. They would have had power storage. They would have insulated lines, all these things, right? But what it meant for, for me and a lot of other barbecue joints is, uh, well, a depletion in our wood supply, shall you say. Hmm. Uh, in my case, I just used it all in my fireplace, all my good... Nice dry pecan and oak wood that I had a nice pile of. Um, I, I got to re-up my order because it all went into my fireplace at home as we lost power. Uh, for a lot of barbecue joints, they had their wood stolen. Um, you know, oh, right. It, it, a lot of these places, like they were sort of ambivalent about it happening because they knew that the people who were taking that wood were trying to heat their homes, trying to stay alive. Uh, but that doesn't make it any e easier to show up to your barbecue joint and find that your entire wood stack is gone uh, when you're trying to, I guess, uh, get the next load on for the next uh, next day. But uh, then there's other barbecue joints. Some aren't even open uh, still from broken pipes and such, like Zavala's Barbecue in Grand Prairie. They're still working on um, still working on the, the repairs uh, just from the fallout. So it's, uh, it's pretty strange, uh, you know, going through so many winters in Ohio, so much uh, rough weather, lake effect snow, all that stuff, and coming to Texas and, uh, you know, seeing in a forecast like three days of freezing weather and snow and knowing that it's really, really going to be painful. But it was nice to, you know, get out there and be like in the old days and start a fire in the fireplace and trudge through the snow out to the wood stack. And, you know, it was nostalgic for a couple of days anyway. Was there any talk secretly amongst people as you were, you know, as you said, they were forecasting it days out where people were like, Hey, if this is really going to be as bad as they're saying going to be, we're going to be effed here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, so there was talk of, the possibility of rolling blackouts, uh, trying to urge people to turn off any unnecessary appliances because of the, uh, you know, the, the big tax on our power grid. And what what were rolling blackouts? They were like, yeah, it, it's still rolling here after forty eight hours. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's but uh, you know the thing is, like when you're in Dallas or anywhere in Texas, and you see that there's precipitation and freeze, below freezing temperatures for multiple days in a row, you know there's the potential for something really bad because there's nothing else that's going to get that stuff off the roads except some sunshine. Daniel Vaughn joining us here on the show from Texas Monthly, tmbbq.com, his website, and he's the Texas Monthly Barbecue Editor. Uh, the other thing that is making rapid rounds is the fact that tomorrow Texas will be uh, taking away all mask regulations and specifically i wanted to get your insight i mean look i think we it's safe to say i'm not breaking news here that all of us have succumbed to pandemic fatigue we would rather not have any of these quarantine items placed on us or safety measures or wearing masks we all want to go back to however it used to be if anybody can even remember that far back and <laughs> In this instance, as somebody who you know, makes a living going out to restaurants, what's the feedback that you're getting from restaurant owners? And then how concerned are they if they're not going to be the ones that are customer facing? How afraid are they for their 
workers facing the general public who was probably going to be anxious and chopping at the bit to get out there tomorrow ASAFP. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's the that's the big issue, right, is um, without the mask mandate, you're going to have a lot more belligerent people out there who are demanding to come into your place of business, your restaurant without a mask on. And the fact that the statewide ma- mask mandate is gone doesn't mean that individual restaurants can't have their own individual businesses. Uh, many, many restaurants and businesses, I'd say the vast majority of them, have stated that they'll still have their, uh, their own mandate in place, their own requirement to wear a mask. And the problem is what it sets up is just uh, a lot of unnecessary arguments. And it's going to be, you know, the, the argument that I hear from people who don't want to wear a mask is, well, just stay home then. Like, if you're scared, then that's the problem with restaurant workers. They can't stay home. Like, they have to go to the restaurant. They have to work. They have to make a living. And um, if the way they feel like they can do that more safely is for customers to wear a mask, they should be able to do that uh, without people complaining. Um, Now, there's also some restaurants I know tomorrow who are going to change the way they're doing service. Uh, Brett's Barbecue Shop was the first one I saw down in Katy, Texas. And uh, they've just said, you know, no more people in the restaurant. Like, we're going to do curbside orders only and uh, delivery orders only. They're, we're not even going to take uh, takeout deliveries or to-go orders inside the restaurant because they just don't like. It's not a conversation that any restaurant tour wants to have. Like, there's plenty, plenty of people running around who can't wait to get into that argument about wearing a mask or not. But I can tell you, restaurant tours are not the ones who want to be having the argument. They want to sell you some food. They want you to enjoy it, and they want you to leave. And by the way, I'm sure they would love to have everybody there in safe conditions, just like it was before all of this hit. They want packed restaurants. They want three-hour lines. They want the whole gamut. Yeah. I mean, I wear a mask wherever I go. Do I love it? No. No. (laughs) Nobody loves it. Nobody wishes they could be wearing masks for years, but... I mean, the quicker we can, uh, you know, the quicker we can put this to an end, the quicker we can all not be having to wear masks. Do you think that there's going to be a big issue here over the next 48 hours, 72 hours of clash of the patrons versus the restaurants and how this whole mask thing is going to go from place to place? Yeah, I mean, I I think there's going to be some culture warriors out there who just can't wait to get out there on Wednesday morning and show everybody how tough they are and how much they can, you know, yell at some 18-year-old server. Uh, So I'm sure that those are going to come out. Those videos will be coming out. Um, It's unfortunate. Uh, Hopefully it's short-lived. I mean, at least... Restaurants know that they've got some real relief coming with the new uh, federal bill on the Restaurants Act, and it's at least uh, some real money coming their way. Um, but yeah, hopefully there's just a lot of goodwill uh, that will re- that will still be coming their way uh, this week and later on. All right, so we'll see how that unfolds, and it's uh, a little bit unique as the rest of the country kind of gets to watch to see how Texas unfolds here over the next handful of weeks before. You know, I, you know, I was saying at the beginning of the show, you know, maybe end of summer, uh, we could possibly start seeing things really relax here. There were some specific metrics in Ohio where the governor said if we hit, I forget exactly what the numbers were, but if it was this many per day uh, out of this many hundred thousand people over a rolling two week time, then we'll take all the coronavirus restrictions off. There'll be no mass. There'll be nothing. It'll be just like it was. But until we hit these metrics 
then we can't do that. Uh, so part of that's going to be vaccination. Part of that's going to be continued masking and the social distancing and all the other stuff. Again, all stuff I hate, all stuff that I don't want to do, all stuff that I'm continuing to do just so we can get there as quickly as possible, even though it seems like it's taking forever. And uh, so we'll we'll watch from afar and see how it goes and uh, look forward to your reports on that. The other well, item, it would be great. It would be great to be in Ohio and and have, you know, reach those ben- benchmarks and then everyone can celebrate together the fact that those benchmarks have been yeah. reached instead of arguing like we're going to be doing this week here in Texas. No doubt. Uh, Daniel, the other thing that we wanted to talk about here this evening is this. Is there anything more repulsive than having some sports douche, in this case, Nick Wright, give their thoughts on barbecue? I mean, really, feel free to champion Kansas City barbecue all you want or champion the Carolinas or whatever your favorite barbecue is. But to call Texas barbecue, and I quote, fraudulent. In fact, I played it for Meathead in the first hour. Let me go ahead and cue it back up again. If you didn't hear it, this is exactly word for word what was said. Come, come to Kansas City for the barbecue, JJ. Stay for the championships. That would be my recommendation. Well, you have lived in Houston, so you you are... Yeah, I lived there for four years and ate what they... Listen, Houston folks, I understand it's been tough times. I empathize with you immensely. But Texas barbecue is fraudulent and not... It's not like bad compared to its reputation. It's bad compared to food. It's just not good. The thing that gets me the most is that it's not fraudulent compared to barbecue. It's fraudulent compared to food. So he's putting this on a grand scale of fakery, tomfoolery, and hoodwinkedness. And I said to Meathead last hour, I think if you if, if we were strolling down the streets of Chicago and we stopped 10 barbecue lovers and said we could give you a blank slate trip, expense-free, to Texas or Kansas City, my thought was 8 out of 10 people are picking Texas, and it might be 9. I'd be right there with you. Yeah, I mean, fraudulent. Come on. Like, what is this guy? Like, and I don't even know what fraudulent Smith, means. Like, the, like what, what does fraudulent mean? It's a, it's a very broad stroke. Yeah. Uh, Meathead I mean, said, it, if it, anything, it's more, it's, it's, it's the purest barbecue that's currently out there. It's salt, it's pepper, and it's wood, and that's it. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and the fact that, I mean, anytime you sound like, sports or or food um either one there's a problem there but um you know i was on the dan patrick show the day after that to rebut and they played that clip for me and it made me mad like i was listening to the clip and i'd heard it before like i i listened to it there's plenty of people who sent it to me but um i mean it really got me angry listening to it just like uh, more like the ignorance of this fool and the fact that uh I mean, anyone that I know who respects barbecue and loves barbecue, who has eaten barbecue across the country, if they could return anywhere, it'd be to Texas. And, you know, they said on the show when I was on that it was unfair that Texas barbecue, that's a whole state, and Kansas City is the, uh, you know, it's, it's just one city, so it's not really a fair comparison. And I, I really just was like, well... I could pick three, four cities in Texas that all would be a better overall barbecue experience than going to Kansas City. I mean, there's a reason that everybody around the world now is trying to emulate Texas barbecue and why Kansas City can't get outside of its own city limits. 
you wouldn't be brought on the Dan Patrick show to talk about anything other than live fire cooking. He wouldn't be asking you your opinion on a trade of LeBron James or why the worst thing that J.J. Watt could have done was go to Phoenix instead of coming here to Cleveland. Right, but it would have been accurate for me to say that Houston sports is pretty fraudulent at this point sure. like, as a whole. Oh, unquestionable. But nobody's like asking you for your sports opinion. So it, it always irks me that somehow these guys are allowed to get out. Hey, look, everybody can have their opinion long the standing rule here on this show. You know, opinion, everybody can have one, no problem. But, I mean, this isn't this guy's expertise, so why go ahead and just light a match and leave or throw a grenade and leave when it you have no expert just because you lived in Kansas maybe you were a vegan. I mean, to say Texas barbecue was fraudulent means that like Beyond Burger is laughing at Texas barbecue or uh, anything vegan or the black bean burger. I mean, everything that's bad in food is better than Texas barbecue, which obviously is one of the most ridiculous statements ever levied in food culture. Well, and I can guarantee when he comes back to Houston, they're not going to forget it. Uh, and <laughs> Doesn't Houston and have like some of the best barbecue joints in Texas, by the way? Some of the best restaurants, some of the best barbecue joints like uh, from north to south, east to west. Uh, Houston is absolutely stacked when it comes to barbecue. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's really going to be his loss. Uh, I don't know where he ate in Houston, or better yet, like where he didn't eat while he was in Houston. Uh, but it, it just confounds me, that's for sure. Uh, why they asked him? Why they asked him his opinion? I don't know. But it's obvious he shouldn't be asked food opinions in the future. I did solicit a phone call in so we could all have a moderated conversation. However, you got Nick Wright on the line. Currently, no Nick Wright on the line, but um. Uh, waiting with bated breath for him to call in and um, checking the Twitters to make sure that he hasn't reacted, which I'm sure he's not. Um, so that, anything to tie up on that, or we can just move ahead? Well, uh, I mean, I think that uh, one of the things that came out of that conversation is just how influential Texas barbecue has become. And whether or not people want to call it fraudulent, who are uh, obviously uneducated about food in general, um, it is heartening to see still uh, the like continuing expanse of Texas barbecue. Places opening up in Kyrgyzstan lately and Saudi Arabia. Um, I mean, it's really just, it, it's amazing to see where brisket is being smoked in the world. What's it like being on the Dan Patrick show? I've listened to Dan for decades. I was a huge fan when he was one of the anchors on ESPN, so it would be a long time dream of mine to get on and talk shop with the master but what is what is that like for you yeah i mean he's no greg rempe but he's he's good at <laughs> yes! his job, that's for sure i'll take it thank uh, you yeah uh so paul pabst is one of the producers there and he's uh he's the guy that usually reaches out to me for, about questions about food or wherever they're going to be traveling uh where they might want to eat um, he's not asking nick Wright, that's for sure and so he's the one who asked me to come on so no, it was it was fun. It was, uh, uh, yeah, it, it's fun to get to get onto a national audience like that and just be able to talk up Texas barbecue because it's worth talking up. Do you see an appreciable bump on the barbecue snob account when you do an appearance like that? 
Oh yeah, I mean, as far as like dimensions and everything like that, yep. like it doesn't it doesn't gain you a whole lot of followers, uh, just like one little bump like that. But uh, it's fun to start discussions, that's for sure. Uh, we're talking with Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly. He's the barbecue editor over there, tmbbq.com. Uh, can I hold you over for one more break here, and then we'll talk about some barbecue books coming out and uh, maybe a little Absolutely. Hall of Fame talk as well. All right, we're talking with Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly, and we'll be right back. I'll do a quick read for Pits and Spits. Since 1983, Pits and Spits has been handcrafting smokers and grills in Houston. In that time, Houston... In that time, Pits and Spits has established itself as one of the premier brands in high-quality offset smokers and, of course, more recently, pellet cookers as well. They've set themselves apart in the market by using heavy 7- and 10-gauge steel in every cooker, fully welded construction that you can feel when you use the unit, a 304 stainless roll top lid and front shelf on every single smoker. So why does it matter? Well, by using high-quality materials, Pits and Spits smokers reach and maintain temperatures, allowing you to worry more about the meat than the heat. And by providing fully welded smokers, you don't have to worry about grease or smoke leaking out of the barrel. You don't have to worry about that grill rattling apart as you move it through the backyard by using 304 stainless. You're getting an heirloom quality product that you're able to pass down to your kids. Now, where some companies are focusing on being the low-cost provider, Pits and Spits focuses on craftsmanship and using quality materials. Are there cheaper ways to make these things? Absolutely. But they don't like tack welds, cheap stainless, or electronics that you can't trust. Having in-house manufacturing gives them control over the design and standards. Not something you find with stuff brought in from overseas. Also, the steel suppliers are providing products that you can use in any type of environment. They will perform in any and all conditions. Plus, the controllers are made right here in the States. So they have unimpeded transparency into their program. Pits and Spits has a dealer network across the country. But if there isn't one close to you, don't sweat it. You can give Koi a call in the shop, 844-650-6250. That's 844-650-6250. Whether you're a backyard grill master looking to cook steaks for the family or a competition cook looking to smoke 50 racks of ribs, Pits and Spits has a product for you. You can check them out at their website, Pits and Spits, all spelled out, or you can see them in the wild across social media at their handle, at Pits and Spits. And once again, that is spelled out there on their handle as well. More with Daniel Vaughn right after this. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the number one most downloaded barbecue and grilling podcast anywhere. The Barbecue Central Show. Celebrating over 10 years of prolific and unparalleled live fire barbecue and grilling talk. And yes, it's still being done from Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. This portion being brought to you by Smithfield. The fresh pork products of champions like Chris Lilly, Darren Worth, Ernest Cervantes, Childs Cridland. You can go to smokingwithsmithfield.com and... Shout out all your first place finishes. You can get recipes and all the other fun stuff over at smithfield.com. And we continue our conversation with Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly. Daniel, let's talk about this time of year especially is one that is ripe with barbecue books. But specifically tonight, I wanted to talk about the importance of black barbecue books coming this year and next year. And uh, certainly we've seen a, a rise in at least acknowledgement and hopefully a press towards equality in all forms and fashions, especially when it comes to those communities that are uh, not as well served as some other ones. But uh, 
specifically to barbecue, uh, I've had conversation with Adrian Miller, who is uh, somebody I think we're going to be talking about here specifically, who has talked about the history of barbecue and how, you know, way back in the day in the slave days, there's a lot of names out there that aren't ever going to get the credit for being people that were pushing the barbecue book forward because, uh, oh, they didn't keep really good records because they didn't really like black people back then and who really cared about them. So we're never going to know those really great pitmasters that were the forefathers of all of this bringing it forward. So in as we fast forward here to 2021 and some of the books that are coming out, uh, why do you think that this is an important next step here? Well, I'm, I mean, you just got to look back to when the last time a black pit master wrote a cookbook. I mean, it was in the eighties. It was Bobby seal, uh, writing barbecuing with Bobby. Uh, that's, that's a long while. Yeah. I mean, you and I both look at all, all the barbecue books that come out every year and we know the, the sheer amount that are published and, uh, the fact that none of them have been by a black pit master in that long is atrocious. So we'll get to Adrian Miller's book first, but uh, we'll, or uh, afterwards. But Rodney Scott, uh, who is a pitmaster at uh, Rodney Scott's Whole Hog Barbecue down in Charleston, South Carolina, he's got a cookbook coming out. He's uh, it'll be coming out in April, and I'm sorry, it'll be coming out later this month. Yep, uh, it's coming out quick, and his co-author is uh, Lowless Eric Eli. So Lolas in 1996 wrote Smokestack Lightning. Yep. That was the last barbecue book with a black author. Uh, they've, they've now teamed up on Rodney Scott's Whole Hog Barbecue book. And uh, I've, I've seen it. I've read through it. It's a really incredible story about, um, about family and barbecue. And it's not about kumbaya moments as a family in barbecue but, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, uh, a lot of conflict that happened that got him to where he is now in barbecue and uh, got him into the position that he's in now and while he he looks back on a lot of that conflict uh without great memories um you know he does acknowledge the fact that there's a good chance that he doesn't have a james beard award right now if he hadn't gone through all that so it's uh it's, it's a really a lot more than just a barbecue cookbook. Of course, there's a lot in there about uh, how to cook a whole hog and how to do it Rodney Scott style. And if you have followed his career and followed the articles written about him, um, you probably know about his love for MSG and he doesn't hide for it from it whatsoever in the book. It uh, calls it Jesus's tears <laughs> uh, <laughs> in the book. And uh, one of the things that I don't find in, in many barbecue books is cocktail recipes. And he's got several. Uh, there's like a half dozen, at least five of them, uh, and involved cocktail recipes. You know, this isn't like throw, throw a little bit of uh, Coke in your jack. This is, um, I'm, I'm actually drinking in honor of Rodney Scott, the PD Old Fashioned. <laughs> and the PD Old Fashioned, um, it's certainly one of the most unique cocktails I've ever had. It starts off by making Rodney Scott's uh, signature uh, vinegar pepper sauce with cayenne pepper, black pepper, vinegar, and um, not a whole lot else. It's spicy. And it, he mixes that with brown sugar to make a simple syrup, <laughs> and then uses that simple syrup to make the old-fashioned. 
And it's got, it's also got a little bit of Chinar in it, which is like a Campari. I actually use Campari in mine because that's what I have in the bar. So you get this bitterness, spiciness. Uh, you get this other like level of tang from a little bit of vinegar in there. You get the sweetness. And then of course you get uh, plenty of that flavor of the rye. And so it's, uh, it really is a confounding drink. Like the more <laughs> I sip it, the more I like it. And I've been sipping this as we talked, and yeah, I might have to make myself another one. Is the, the more you sip it, the more you like it because you're becoming dull, or it's because it is maybe, working on you maybe. as something that is more intriguing to the palate? It's something that's more intriguing, actually. Yeah. Like uh, We talked about this before, and I was much more lukewarm on it when we talked about this earlier. Um, but... Uh, this one, like the more I'm drinking it, the more I do like it. I'm, I made myself a double here because it's you know easier to measure out. So of course, doubles are uh, always easier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. What do you use bourbon wise um, for that? Just some like lower level well, stuff. So I use I uh, so his recipe calls for rye, and so oh. I use a Knob Creek rye. So um, in Texas, we're blessed with a lot of really great bourbons, uh, but not many really good ryes. But so if I'm having if I'm sipping on bourbon or drinking bourbon, generally it's going to be one of them that's made in Texas. But uh, I've got a good bottle of the Knob Creek Rye here for this. All right, so that's Rodney Scott's book, and it's going to be coming out here uh, towards the end of the month here in the, in the next couple of weeks, uh, very quickly. Uh, the other one is uh, from friend of the show Adrian Miller. Yeah, so coming out next month, Black Smoke is the name of Adrian's book. And so Adrian and I are, are friends. We've uh, traveled and eaten barbecue in Texas and, and in Denver, where he lives. We um, did quite a, a road trip around Denver as well, eating barbecue. And, you know, it's certainly coming from an academic standpoint, much more than uh, Rodney's book coming from that, that personal and, and how to cook. There are recipes in Adrian's book. Uh, but it's not primarily a recipe book. It's really about it's about the history of African American barbecue, um, and he, like you said, there's a lot of those figures that there's just not a lot written about. Uh, there's not a lot kept in those records, and so he did his best to try and uncover a lot of those stories, um, but also just write a really comprehensive history of American barbecue from where it started to uh, where we are now and trace those steps. And one of the things that he really tries to tie together is how Native Americans and enslaved uh, Africans came together to, to really create what we think of as American barbecue. And, um, you know, he does find a few of those figures that you that were surprising to him to find really detailed information about. One was, uh, one that stuck with me anyway, was uh, Marie Jean. And she was a pit master in Arkansas uh, and she was enslaved and she um, sold enough barbecue to be able to buy her freedom. And even before the civil war, before slavery had ended, she had opened up her own uh, barbecue operation in Arkansas and was selling, was selling barbecue to the public. And I mean, think about the perseverance required to, to actually make that happen for yourself. It's uh, really tremendous. And, uh, you know, there was a, there was an obituary of her that praised her barbecue and uh, praised her contribution to the community. And so it's, that's not the only story that he uncovered in the book. There's a lot more in there that, uh, that makes, makes it worth reading. And 
you know, just also him really trying to tackle American barbecue as a whole and how African-Americans have, have contributed to it in every style. Is he able to pinpoint a location that he would feel confident in saying this is where it started? Uh, I don't think he feels it's necessary to to pick one particular location. I mean, certainly from written history, uh, Virginia is, is going to be big in there. Um, but no, I mean, it's, it's not like uh, there's not going to be a historical marker somewhere. Let's put it that way. <laughs> is it a inherent thing for history to be, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, whitewashed in the fact that like, is it because people are ashamed of how it, was back then or do you think that people just don't want to give credit where credit is due and however they can control that narrative they will stick to trying to do that for as long as they can history is whitewashed yeah i mean our most of our history is is written by white men and therefore it's going to be from their perspective and it's uh, rarely going to shed them in a bad light and so certainly um any sort of barbecue history that's been written up to, to this date is going to be whitewashed. I mean, there's a series of books talking about uh, different states and their barbecue histories. Um, the one on Virginia barbecue is very well written, very well researched. And uh, a lot of what Adrian traces back in his book goes back to what uh, Joe Haynes uh, researched in his book on Virginia barbecue. But then you take the one from South Carolina uh, written by Lake high and, uh, I mean, it's just plain old racist. I mean, he just says in there that uh, there's no way that uh, the the enslaved were the ones who created barbecue, and um, it wasn't. Uh, they were just uh, essentially repeating steps of uh, unskilled labor that were taught to them. Essentially, they were no different than cabinet makers uh, <laughs> or um, you know furniture makers. They were just repeating the steps that were taught to them. And uh, so dismissive to be just uh, fraudulent, shall I say. Are there other books then that will be coming down the pike? Is this a potential floodgate then? Yeah. Um, Daniel, were you barbecue. just crunching ice? I was. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How uh, dare you? A, you know, there's somebody got, got in a lot of trouble for doing that a couple weeks ago. I got I got they, they They didn't have cayenne in their throat. I gotta chill that burn a little bit. Fair enough. Uh, but yes, Kevin Bloodso, uh, Bloodso's family barbecue. So, uh, Bloodso's barbecue uh, became really well known in Compton. They've got a Hollywood uh, location. Uh, but Kevin himself, he counts himself more as a Corsicana, Texas uh, resident right now. Oh, oh, what was that? That was my fault. Um, and so, <laughs> Kevin, he lives in Corsicana. Uh, you may have seen him on the uh, the. Um, oh gosh, what's American the Barbecue Showdown. showdown. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saving me on that one. Yep. He's a judge on American Barbecue Showdown. Uh, one of the few smiles you might see on screen on American Barbecue Showdown. Um, but uh, yeah, so he's writing a book and he's, he's going to be talking a lot about his uh, his family history. Of course, uh, recipes from Bloodsoe's Barbecue. And uh, he's talking about his granny who he learned to cook barbecue from who had a uh, barbecue operation um kind of an off-the-books barbecue operation in Corsicana when he was growing up. Uh, Daniel, did you watch all those Netflix stuff when they were out there a handful of months ago? Was it last summer or whenever it was? I watched about half of them, um, and 
didn't really know that I or didn't really feel like I was getting much out of them. And then when I interviewed Kevin, uh, really about the Kingsford's Preserve the Pit program, uh, which they're offering fellowships to, uh, well, they don't say it exactly this way, but to aspiring black pit masters is essentially what it's for. I interviewed Kevin about that down at Corsicana and he talked to me more about the show. And so I was intrigued to go look at the rest of it and really see what Rashid Phillips, uh, one of the cooks there, what he was up to and, uh, and Sylvie as well. I don't remember Sylvie's last name, but um, she was really talented on the show and was really trying to, uh, so I, I did was curious to go see the sort of food that they cooked uh, throughout the rest of the show. So I did watch all the episodes. Uh, Sylvie Curry, by the way, as I am helping Sylvie you out, Curry. hand over fist here this evening. You know, I thought in in the last many years, the best barbecue show that I've seen on television, you took part in one of the episodes, was that Chef's Table barbecue edition where they covered uh, Tootsie and uh, obviously Rodney Scott was part of that as well. And then... Uh, Hasties, I don't remember his first name out there in Australia, who's like only cooking on wood and coals. And then there was, uh, was it a Mayan uh, lady down there? Was She was uh, keeping the, the Mayan heritage. God, I, every one of them was, was more fascinating than the next. And I say to folks that are looking for barbecue television, I'm like, if you got Netflix, like screw everything else. This is what you got to go watch immediately. Binge it all and it was uh, it was so great, and to see you have such a a, a good part in Tootsie's was uh, surprising. I know we had already talked about this, but I think really well, over the last well, year, that's really the the barbecue show to watch. Well, thank you, uh, and I agree on all the other episodes as well. I, I think it's really uh, I think network television or you know Food Network cooking channel. I really think they do a disservice to barbecue uh, by insisting that every show. Um, that the educational portion of the show needs to take a backseat to everything else. And I think that chef's table show, I mean, it was an education about those people's lives and about the process they used to cook. And I think that's what made it more interesting. The American barbecue showdown. While I found parts of it enjoyable, I think it just, uh, I mean, it stumbled on all the same faults that every barbecue competition show does, which is just manufactured drama. Like I really could care less how well somebody can cook a brisket in eight hours. Just give them as much time as they need to cook a good brisket. Like, I don't care about like the, the fake, like, uh, uh, hurdles that you've got to create so that you can manufacture drama in these shows. It just, it doesn't, I, I don't see how it benefits anyone. Uh, we're coming into April here in the next couple of weeks, which means we're starting to get into that tip to the uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, is there any news going on this year in 2021 that you've heard of at this point uh, since you're on that names committee? Yeah, I, I serve on the nomination committee and we had our first meeting. Uh, and, you know, essentially we just talked about doing the same thing that we've done last year, uh, which for the first time last year, we had a uh, legacy uh, choices, legacy inductees. These are people who have passed on, who... Uh, oftentimes are forgotten about when it comes time to nominate people um, and, you know, often fall off once it gets to voting because they're not on top of mind because they've passed away. So we felt it was really important to have a legacy, uh, legacy nominees and, and le or I should say legacy inductees into the Hall of Fame last year. And we'll continue that again this year. And uh, as, as far as getting other folks into the Hall of Fame, it'll be a very similar process. Uh, as it was last year. And, 
you know, I really urge anyone to, uh, to nominate people both for the legacy side and, um, through the regular channels for this year as well. Like, uh, it's open for nominees and, um, you know, we'd, we'd love to see more names and, uh, really good descriptions on why you think they belong. Is there a thought that this year is going to be as it has been in the past, uh, live local late breaking, or are there already contingency plans being put in place to do it remote or, you know, however it might have to be done outside of being done in person? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the way that they're planning it right now is, uh, with the expectation that they'll be able to do it in person and that if they have to backtrack on that, then, then they'll, they'll look at that later. Uh, but one of the great things is, um, you know, last year we did it virtually, uh, as far as, you know, congratulating all of the people who made it in, uh, this, this year's, this past year's class. And while it was certainly nice to get to talk to them over zoom, uh, I think a lot of them would be really happy to be able to get that uh, attention in person and receive that honor in person. So um, as long as everything goes to plan and everybody comes in person this year to accept, uh, uh, you know, accept that award in person from this year's class, we'll also be inviting last year's class to that same ceremony. So everybody can be honored in person. He is the barbecue editor for Texas Monthly. You can find him over at tmbbq.com on Twitter at BBQ Snob and a quarterly guest right here on the Barbecue Central Show. Always appreciate the time, Daniel. Thanks so much. Great talking with you. You too. There he is, Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly. Read him up, subscribe, friend, all that good stuff on social media. And you will see him back in three months' time as we continue to bring it down. Interesting to see what's going to be happening down there in Texas in the next couple days, weeks. Good luck. And if you want to follow him again, add BBQ Snob on Twitter, tmbbq.com, his website. And we will look to wrap the whole show when we come back. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. Hey, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Vortic Watch Company, a small batch custom watch manufacturing and vintage restoration company located in North Colorado. They take antique pocket watches. Tournament and wristwatches. Their mission, preserve and enhance the legacy of manufacturing in America. In order to do that, they combine traditional and cutting-edge technology to create unique quality functional timepieces with exceptional value. Here's the coolest part. Each watch that Vortic makes, just like this one, unique, one of a kind. Vortic founded on the motto that America wasn't assembled, it was built. Check them out at VorticWatches.com and they have a logo on the main page of the website. And... Links in the newsletter as well. We thank Daniel Vaughn for joining me the last two segments. If you are a barbecue book aficionado, be on the lookout for Rodney Scott's book. By the way, I have been pounding Rodney Scott with requests and pleases and thank yous and thank yous and advances and all of that to get him back on the show. I've heard through back channels. He's 
not necessarily much of a promoter per se, but if you're getting into the book writing business, we got to get some of that promotion going. So hopefully we will hear back from him. Also, as I had mentioned in the first hour, we may be having a Mike Golick interview from Mike and formerly of Mike and Mike. We're really connected. I mean, he doesn't know this, of course. I know this, but he doesn't know it. I think he used to grow up in Willowick, Ohio, which was one city over from where I used to live in Wycliffe for the past seven years. Now it's two cities over from where I live in Willoughby now. And he graduated from the same high school that my oldest daughter graduated from, Villangelo St. Joseph's High School. Although I think when he went there... It still might have been an all-boys school before they merged St. Joe's and Villa Angela, but now it's VASJ. Also, home of some very talented professional athletes like his brother Bob Golick, everybody. Ever heard of Heisman Trophy award-winning Desmond Howard, VASJ? How about a scrappy linebacker in the NFL with a vaunted career, London Fletcher, VASJ? You ever heard of that Michigan quarterback? What's his name? Uh, Elvis Gerback, VASJ. And Mike Golick, obviously. So there was quite, I think Clark Kellogg also came out of VASJ. Lot of that that school was a football powerhouse, then took a dump and became a basketball juggernaut a handful of years ago, sending kids to all sorts of D1 schools, winning many, many state championships. Wonderful stuff. All right, let's go ahead and make tracks as we leave you here this evening. We remind you that we visited with Meathead from AmazingRibs.com in the first hour, talking pastrami, talking about business of barbecue, getting an update on his rubs and sauces. And it sounds like the sauces are way out. You know, that would concern me. If you send them your recipe list and they're turning back to you a sample that is nowhere in the ballpark, I might have to call Meathead offline and tell him to explore some other purveyor. Hot Wachulas. Matt Barber, be on the lookout. I might be sending you a meathead. Second hour, Daniel Vaughn making his quarterly appearance. Texas Monthly's barbecue editor, tmbbq.com, at bbqsnob on the tweeter. Talking about Texas power debacle under light snow and not that cold a temperature, but when you're not used to it, it can wreak havoc. Or when you're not equipped to deal with it. That's more... I mean, realize that two miles outside of downtown Cleveland, we demolished a power substation. Like, that's how set we... We just eliminated one. (laughs) Had we known, we should have just picked it up and trucked it down to Texas to help them out. Hooked the whole state up to it. Uh, we also talked about his Dan Patrick show appearance and how Nick Wright is slanderous against Texas barbecue in general. Some upcoming barbecue books coming out and more. You'll see Daniel in three months. Big show planned for you next week, of course. It's the third Tuesday, so we got Stephen Reichland coming up and some other great guests already in line as well. We'd love to have you on the show. 
Give me a phone call. Give me an email during the downtime. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. September 11, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host, Proudly American, Greg Reppy. Good night now. This is Frisky Doll, the Barbecue Wizard, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show.